Chapter sixty five of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter sixty five. Conclusion. At the George Inn, a little way out of Hatherton, the boy, to his inexpressible delight, at last found Tom Orange. He told Tom at once of his adventure at the shop window, and the occurrence darkened Tom's countenance. He peeped out and took a long look toward Hatherton. Put the horse to the fly and bring it round at once, said Tom, who put his hand in his pocket and drew forth a rather showy handful of silver i don't pretend to say when tom was out of regular employment from what pursuits exactly he drew his revenue they had rather improved than otherwise but i dare say there were anxious compensations the boy had eaten his breakfast before he reached hatherton so much the better for the apparition of the sergeant major would have left him totally without appetite as it was he was in an agony to be gone every moment expecting to see him approach the little inn to arrest him and tom tom orange was uneasy i am sure and very fidgety till the fly came round you know squire fairfield from wyvern said the hostess while they were waiting ay said tom did you hear the news what is it shot the night before last in a row with poachers gentlemen should leave that sort of work to their keepers but they was always a fightin wild lot them fairfields and he's lyin now a dead man all the same gave over by dr willet and another we a whole charge a duck shot lodged under his shoulder and that's the news said tom raising his eyes and looking through the door he had been looking down on the ground as mrs gumford of the george told her story they're sharp fellows poachers round there i'm told he said next time he'd have been out himself with the keepers to take em dead or alive i suppose they wouldn't answer them tis a wicked world said the lady damned wicked said tom here's the fly in they got and drove off tom was gloomy and very silent tom where are we going to asked the boy at last all right said tom all right my young master you'll find it's to no one but good friends and say now haven't i been a good friend to you master harry all your days sir many a mile that you know nothing about has tom orange walked on your business and down to the cottage and back again and where would you or her have been if it wasn't for poor tom orange yes indeed tom and i love you tom and now i've took you away from that fellow and i'm told i'm likely to be hanged for it well no matter oh tom poor tom oh no 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 and he threw his arms around tom's neck in a paroxysm of agonized affection and in spite of the jolting kissed tom sometimes on the cheek on the eyebrow on the chin 
and in a great jolt violently on the rim of his hat and it rolled over his shoulder under their feet well that is gratifying said tom drying his eyes there is some reward for principle after all and if you come to be a great man some of these days you'll not forget poor tom orange that would have spent his last bob and spilt his heart's blood without fee or reward in your service another explosion of friendship from the boy assured tom of his eternal gratitude do you know this place sir asked tom with a return of his old manner as making a sudden turn the little carriage drove through an open gate and up to an old-fashioned house a carriage was waiting at the door there could be no mistake how delightful and who was that mammy at the hall door and in an instant they were locked in one another's arms and oh the darling and mammy 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 were the only words audible half stifled in sobs and kisses in a minute more there came into the hall smiling weeping and with hands extended toward him the pretty lady dressed in black and her weeping grew into a wild cry as coming quickly she caught him in her heart my darling my child my blessed boy you're the image oh darling i loved you the moment i saw you and now i know it all the boy was worn out his march including his divergence from his intended route had not been much less than thirty miles and all in chill and wet they got him to his bed and made him thoroughly comfortable and with mammy at his bedside and her hand to make quite sure of her fast in his he fell into a deep sleep alice had already heard enough to convince her of the boy's identity but an urgent message from harry who was dying determined her to go at once to wyvern to see him as he desired so leaving the boy in charge of mammy she was soon on her way to the old seat of the fairfields if harry had not known that he was dying no power could ever have made him confess the story he had to tell there were two points on which he greatly insisted the first was that believing that his brother was really married to bertha Vildercost, he was justified in holding that his nephew had no legal right to succeed the second was that he had resolved although he might have wavered lately a little never to marry and to educate the boy better than ever he was educated himself and finally to make him heir to wyvern pretending him to be an illegitimate son of his own whether the sergeant-major knew more than he was ordered or undertook to know he never gave the smallest ground to conjecture he stated exactly what had passed between him and harry fairfield by him he was told that the child which was conveyed to marjorie trevelyan's care was his own unacknowledged son on the very same evening and when old mildred tarnley was in the house at twyford was a child taken with the seeds of consumption already active in it from a workhouse in another part of england and placed there as the son of charles fairfield and alice it was when contrary to all assurances 
this child appeared for a few days to rally and the situation consequent on its growing up the reputed heir to wyvern alarmed harry that he went over in his panic to the grange and there opened his case that the child at twyford was a changeling and not his brother's son when however the child began to sink and its approaching death could no longer be doubtful he became as we have seen once more quite clear that the baby was the same which he had taken away from carwell grange dr willett seeing the child so often at twyford also prevented suspicion though illogically enough for had they reflected they might easily have remembered that the doctor had hardly seen the child twice after its birth while at the grange and that like everyone else he took its identity for granted when he saw it at twyford alice returned greatly agitated late that evening no difficulty any longer remained and the boy with ample proof to sustain his claim was accepted as the undoubted heir to wyvern and the representative of the ancient family of fairfield the boy henry fairfield was as happy as mortal can be henceforward his little playmate the pretty little girl whom alice had adopted who called her mamma and yet was the daughter of a distant cousin only has now grown up and is as a girl even more beautiful than she was as a child henry will be of age in a few months and they are then to be married they now reside at wyvern the estate which has long been at nurse is now clear and has funded money beside everything promises a happy and prosperous reign for the young fairfield mildred tarnley very old is made comfortable at carwell grange good old dulce bella is still living very happy and very kind but grown a little huffy being perhaps a little over petted in all other respects the effect of years being allowed for she is just what she always was tom orange with a very handsome sum presented by those whom he had served preferred australia to the old country harry fairfield had asserted in his vehement way while lying in his last hours at wyvern that the fellow with the handkerchief over his face who shot him was he could all but swear his old friend tom orange tom swore that had he lived he would have prosecuted him for slander as it is the eccentric genius has prospered as the proprietor of a monster tavern at melbourne where there is comic and sentimental singing and some dramatic buffooneries and excellent deviled kidneys and brandy marjorie trevelyan lives with the family at wyvern and i think if kind old lady windale were still living the consolations of alice would be nearly full end of chapter sixty five recording by john brandon end of the wyvern mystery by joseph sheridan lefanu